Hello and welcome to Rooted Together Podcast, the podcast which aims to root you in Christ through His Word together. I'm your host, Charles Egwood, and today we are in John chapter 13 with a story that is very familiar to most people. If you're familiar with Scripture, you're familiar with Jesus washing His disciples' feet. Now, if you grew up in the youth group in the 90s or early 2000s, you probably reenacted this at some point. And I can specifically remember we did this on more than one occasion, and we did it in more than one ways. Once, everybody in the room just took turns washing each other's feet with water. We had a water basin and a towel, just like the story we're going to jump into. And then one time I remember I was helping a group of people. We were on the student council, if you will, of the youth group, and we were leading the youth. And one of the things we did for one of the lessons one night is we had everybody come in and we had them take their shoes off and we pretended to wash their their feet they had their socks on and we didn't use water but it was symbolic we took a towel and we pretended to dry their feet and it was the idea it's the same idea that is being shown throughout this story so it is one of our theme here is the idea of humility and the idea of repeating this as a model. So Jesus will say, as I have done this to you, do this to each other. As I have washed your feet, wash each other's feet. As I have served you, serve one another. So this is becoming, or this will become a big theme. The other theme that if you read this in the entirety of the chapter, now this is why I'm a big, big fan of reading the whole chapter to get the context. And that is, you see that as Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he is giving them a model in which they are to love each other and to show each other love through serving each other and through humbling themselves for the group. And this will become clear as we get toward the end of the chapter. The theme here and the reason why he washes his disciples' feet is love. Now, One thing you must know as we jump into this chapter is that the idea of foot washing is a bit foreign to most audiences today, to most people today, because we don't wash feet as they washed feet. Now, I know, I'm at least hoping that you wash your feet personally, but at this point in history, it was not uncommon for you to go to someone's house and they would have a servant who would wash everybody's feet. Now, there were reasons for this. I want you to think back. They didn't wear closed-toed shoes back then. They wore open-closed shoes if they wore shoes at all, and therefore their feet picked up dust and dung of animals that was left on the street that they walked on or wherever they walked. Because remember, the streets weren't paved, often rock or often dirt. If they were Roman roads, they were stone, but even still, animals were going to the bathroom there. And I remember taking my daughter to Williamsburg, Virginia, where they have horse carriages, and of course, horses use the bathroom on the street. And if you think a long time ago, where their streets would have been dirt if it rained, all of that washes together into the mud and gets on your feet, especially if you were wearing the equivalent to Chacos. And so their feet in this time in history would have been very dirty. That's a great image, I know, but just, so imagine the the humble position that is the foot washer, to wash really dirty, really smelly feet would have been one of low station. So you, you have to get that in the back of your mind as you get ready to read this. I think sometimes because we've practiced this or we've done this with our youth groups or our churches, 
it, it sometimes removes us from the culture and the shock factor that this truly was. This was a shock factor moment as Jesus will wash his disciples' feet. Why would the master, the creator of all the universe, be washing feet? That's a lowly station. And Jesus will explain it later in that he wants us to love one another as he loves us. And that is how people will know that we are his disciples. I mean, that's big. So love is the big theme throughout this chapter. So let's jump into the text of chapter 13. It says, before the Passover festival. So remember the context of where we're at. We're in the shadow of the cross. We're approaching the cross very swiftly. And so as we do that, everything's building to that moment, to the cross. And so Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father because he knows that the cross is growing closer. The moment of his crucifixion is at hand. It's it's within a day or two from this story. And so he realizes this. And so it says, having loved his own who are in the world. So how does he love his own who were in the world, knowing his time was coming near to leave them and to suffer for them. He loves them, and this is how he shows them. He loved them, I love this in verse two, one. He verse one. He loved them to the end. That's a deep, deep love. That's the love of God for his people. He loved us to the end. Now the end of what? For him, the end of his earthly life, right? So he came, he lived, and we know that Jesus will die a crucifixion, death. But we do know the story does not end there. He does not love them to the end, and that is the end. I love the Michael, not Michael, I'm sorry, the David Phelps song, wrong Phelps, the David Phelps song that is the beginning of the end, the idea, or the end of the beginning, sorry. And the idea is that this is the end of the beginning. He loved them to the end, of the beginning. So just think about that. He loved them to the end, the end of his earthly life, but he will rise again three days later and love them for eternity and offer them true eternal life. So verse 2, now when it was time for supper, the devil had already come into the heart of Judas Iscariot, and so for him to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. Now why does John say that? I know I'm, I'm delaying getting into the main idea of the ver- of the chapter here, but just bear with me. This is great. So Judas is going to betray Jesus. That's a done deal. He is already contemplating it. He has already decided it, and Jesus is completely aware of it. And John puts in, in verse 3, no, John didn't write verse 3. Jesus knew. But as John is writing, as he says that Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, was about to betray Jesus, he says that Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God. Now, why does he say that and that he was going back to God? Because Judas betraying Jesus was not a surprise betrayal to Jesus. Now, if you were one of the disciples, as we'll look at, they were a little bit surprised. Maybe not completely because, you know, they're like Judas, the guy had been stealing money the whole time anyway. He wasn't really on the in crowd of the 12 disciples. He was really probably the 12th guy on the fringe but he was there but we're going to see that they didn't know who that he they didn't know who it was that would betray Jesus but Jesus knew because Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands including his arrest his beating and his crucifixion 
all of that had been given into Jesus' hand, and Jesus knew that. So I want you to realize as we're reading this story, as we're marching toward the cross, Jesus knew that he would be crucified. This did not happen as a plan B or by accident. This is the plan, and Jesus knew it was the plan. It's all under his control. And so he says in verse 4, and by the way, this is in the context of knowing Judas was going to betray him. So I want you to keep in mind, he washes Judas's feet. He washes the feet of his betrayer, and at the end of this chapter, he's going to tell Peter, Peter, you're not going to die for me. You, you, you may die for me, but look, you're about to, to deny me three times. You're about to betray me too. And he's going to wash Peter's feet. He's going to wash the feet of the one who would deny him and the feet of the one who would betray him, and he would wash all of the feet of those who would flee from him and desert him in his hour of need. So verse 4, he got up from supper and he laid aside his outer cloth and he took a towel and he tied it around himself. This is the position of a servant. This would be the household servant doing this. Next, he poured water into the basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. This would have been shocking. I know, and again, this is lost on a modern audience. We don't get the thrust of John's writing here because we have just, we've removed, we're so removed from that culture. This is Jesus taking the lowly position. This is the CEO of the company who takes out the bathroom trash and he, he cleans the toilets, if you will. The idea of the lowliest position, and that is what Jesus is doing, though he is Lord. And by the way, this does not go unnoticed by the disciples, right? They are not aloof to what Jesus is doing. No, Jesus, so basically he comes to Simon Peter, who is our vocal guy. Uh, I, I gel with Peter a lot here. And, and Peter says, Lord, what are you, are you going to wash my feet? I get that, because this would have been weird for Peter. This would have been your teacher, the guy that you left, your family, and your job to follow around, the one that you believe is the Messiah. No, they didn't fully get the exact kind of Messiah he would be yet, but they knew he was something special, and yet, as, as they, even as they know that, he's getting ready to wash his feet. That would be uncomfortable. Why are you serving me? You're the teacher. No, I'm supposed to be serving you. Don't wash my feet. It's weird. Peter gets that. I get that. I, I, I really connect with Peter here. When, when Peter says, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answers him, what I am doing you don't realize now. That's true. But afterward, you will understand. Also true. He will understand after what? After the cross and after the resurrection. But not yet. And so in verse 8, he says, you will never wash my feet, Peter said. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no place with me. And so Peter says, well, not, don't, don't just hold back on my feet. Wash my head, too, and my hands. And, and so then Jesus tells him, one who is bathed doesn't need to wash anything except for his feet, but he is completely clean. You were clean, but not all of you, for he knew that Judas was about to betray him, and that's why he said, not all of you are clean. He's saying, you're clean, Peter. I only need to wash your feet. And so Peter says, okay, wash my feet. I want to I be a part of that. He didn't understand it, not yet. So when Jesus had washed their feet, he put, out his, he put on his outer clothing. This is verse 12 now. And he reclined again. That would be his normal seat. And he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? Answer, they don't have a clue. They really don't. They have no clue. 
And, and it's not lost on Jesus why they don't know, because he says, you call me teacher and Lord. And you were speaking rightly. He goes, yes, I am the teacher. I am your Lord. And since that is what I am, you're correct in your thinking. So, now here's the teaching point. If I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, again, CEO of the company, serving, if I, your Lord, if I, your king, if I, your teacher, have washed your feet, and you can you can see the, the mirror starting to turn in the text towards yourself, right? As you read this going, oh no, he's about to, he's about to thump him here. He says this, you also ought to wash one another's feet. There's no excuse not to, right? I mean, he's, you, you would, you would be like, well, I mean, I don't want to wash their feet because this, 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 and that. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. I am washing your feet. I am your teacher. I am your Lord. And I am yet still washing your feet. So you also ought to do the same. Boom. And you can feel the weight hit as he says that you do the same. And he says, for I have given you in verse 15, I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. And he says, truly a servant is not greater than his master. The messenger, not greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17. If you know these things, you are blessed. If you do them now, we got to jump into the 21st century. What is Jesus speaking to us today? So when Jesus says this, how do we put this into 2022 or beyond? Whenever you're listening to this, whether it be 2022 or, or years from now, whatever it is, uh, when you read this story, what do you take from it? Now, I'm not saying what does it mean to you, but, but what is Jesus saying? So he says, if I have done this for you, you ought to do this for each other, right? That's an easy translation for them. Oh, we, we serve each other, wash each other's feet. But in 2022, we don't wash each other's feet. Now, he, Jesus is not saying you should have a special service where you as the leader step down, get water in a bowl, and wash everybody's feet. Now, you can do that, and that's fine. That's great. It's a great image. It's, it's a great way to humble yourself. I've done it. It's weird. You embrace the awkwardness of it, and it feels awkward for everyone involved. Then you can really relive this moment quite well doing that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, again, I'm not... I'm not in any way suggesting that people that do that are wrong, but that is, Jesus means more than that. We have to look, what is beyond what he is saying? What's the principle behind him saying, do as I have done? What is he doing? He is serving his disciples. Therefore, the leaders should serve their people. If you are a teacher, you serve those you teach. If you are a pastor, you serve those in your, your congregation. If you are a deacon, you serve those. In fact, that's actually the definition of the word deacon is a servant. If you are an elder, you are to serve those who are under you. If you are any kind of Christian, any kind of follower of Jesus, you are to serve those who are around you. You serve them through acts of service. You serve them through humbling yourself. You serve them through by lifting up their needs above yours. And that is difficult. It is awkward but yet it is an extension of God's grace to each other. Now, Jesus will add, and I'm going to skip a lot of what happens in this chapter, but I'm going to skip to make that point again. Toward the end of this chapter, Jesus again makes the point. So as we flip through, we things we'll miss here, since I'm not going to read the whole thing. We have Judas's betrayal predicted. He, And I love it because he says, you know, the, the one who I give bread and I, I dip, you know, he says, truly, if... 
truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they are, are looking at each other going, is it you, is it you, is it you? And Peter's like, hey, John, ask Jesus who it is. It's just a really, it's, it's kind of comical for me. I read that almost comically. I don't think it was comical at the time, but I'm sure as John reflects this, he's like, yeah, and Peter asked me, and then I asked Jesus, and he says, I'll dip the bread and give it to the one who will betray me, and he does. It's Judas. No one seems to catch this, and Judas leaves to betray Jesus. So the betrayal is underway, and after he leaves, he says this. So, I mean, I want to read verse 30. After receiving the piece of bread, he, that is Judas, immediately left, and it was night. I think it was night one because it gives you perspective. It was nighttime. Just things have happened. They're eating at night. But also, this idea of night is thematic. It's the darkness, right? Jesus is the light. John loves the light and the darkness. And so it was night. And it's the time for Judas to do what was wrong, right? To betray his master, his Lord, his teacher. It was night. So after he leaves in verse 31, now this is what I wanted to get to. And this is where I'll end as well. He says, when he left, that's Judas, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified in him. So what he's saying is now the the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in the Son of Man. So he was basically saying, I, Jesus, am glorified and God is glorified in me. If God is glorified in me, or in, in, as John will write it, if God is glorified in him, that's the Son of Man, God will also glorify himself and will glorify him at once. Children, I am with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I am going, you cannot come. So in verse 34, as he's saying, I'm going to leave, what's he tell him? I give you a new commandment. And here's the commandment. Here's where it connects with the foot washing. This is what I wanted to get to. Love one another. Well, Jesus, what does that look like? Just as I have loved you. Well, what does that look like? Again, the teacher, the Lord, took out his outer garment, took off his outer garment, took water in a basin and washed the dirty feet of his disciples. He washed the one who would betray him. He washed the feet of the one who would deny him. He washed the feet of all of those who would desert him. He washed their feet even though they didn't deserve it. So if you're like, well, that guy over there, he doesn't deserve my service or the love that, I would, that I'm called to offer him. Jesus would say, I have called you to love even those who seem unlovable, which, by the way, would be all of us to some degree. But he's saying, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Why? What does this look like? Well, it looks like serving one another, humbling ourselves before one another, lifting up others above ourselves. That's what I was talking about earlier, because we are to love one another as Christ loved us. Sacrificially, He's gonna. we, we must love each other sacrificially. And there's a reason for this that, that goes beyond just God, did, Jesus did it, right? Jesus set the example, and we want to do what Jesus said as the example. We want to do what Jesus has commanded us, yes, but it even has an outer purpose, another purpose. The outer purpose is this, by this, by this love, by this humbling of ourselves, by this lifting up of others, by this serving one another, this intense love that goes beyond deservedness, right? This grace we're extending to each other, the grace of, grace of Christ that he extended to us, we extend to others. 
this, by this love, everyone, that would be everyone around you, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that is where it jumps into the 21st century. Why do we love one another like this? Why do we love one another, even when it's difficult, by the way? And it is difficult. Make no doubts about it. Loving people is hard. Why do we do it? Because by our love, people will know that we are Christ's disciples. And I would say that even as I say that, here is the condemnation. Here's the thing we must sit in. When we fail to love like this, we are telling people we are not Jesus' disciples. Now, we are, right? We don't lose that, that title of disciple because we mess up. But it's the idea that there is a lot to be gained through paying attention to how you love others. It is important how you love others. It is important that we sit and we meditate on, am I loving others rightly? Am I doing what Jesus called me to do? Loving as Jesus loved me. Because if you are not, you are hiding the fact you are Christ's disciples. If you want to know how someone is a Christian, it should be easy to tell because they love one another such in such a way. And, and you know, even as you hear this, you're thinking of churches and you're thinking of friend groups where you're going, they don't love each other. They don't even like each other. And you're thinking, well, that's bad. Yes, it's bad because it fell, It destroys their witness. Our love and our unity, that we can have disagreements in love, by the way. I'm not suggesting we just should all just agree with everybody. That's not what's happening here. And there are reasons to have very serious disagreements on bad theology and philosophy and worldview issues, for sure. But we are to do it in a loving Christ-centered way. We are to do it in a way that lifts Christ's name up, and therefore he is glorified, and if he is glorified, the Father is glorified. And I want to end there, and I want to say, love others. Let's end with what Jesus said, a new command I give to you. Love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Jesus did this by washing the feet of those who would desert him. Wash the feet of someone through service, through love, through humbling yourself today. Whether you think they deserve it or not, because it's not about de- being them deserving it. Jesus washed our feet. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, even though we We're still sinners. Love your brothers and your sisters today. Thank you for joining me in Rooted Together podcast, and I look forward to joining you in John chapter 14 next time. I'll see you there.